Hello and welcome back to Coach's Corner. It is Tuesday, November 6th, and I am back with a new show coming off of a holiday here, and I did not do good on my gambling picks. I will just be out front honest here in the intro. We'll get into more of the details of that and more. Uh, we have more you know, news coming out for the next week here. Uh, we'll have, obviously, NFL preview, which I've done all the previews I can. It's just more talking about week one, what games to look out for, all that stuff. We have NCAA, obviously, week two. Not a whole lot there because blowouts, but <clears throat> got that. Got some MLB stuff, and I don't think any NBA. So that'll cover the show today. And with that being said, let's get into it. And with that, I welcome you into Coach's Corner. Tuesday, September 6th, and I'm recording it on a Monday night, obviously. We have one more college football game to go, but God is it awful, and God am I not watching it. I'm not doing it. Not going to sit through Georgia Tech Clemson. You can't make me. No one's going to make me do it. It's definitely not happening. We had a game yesterday that was also terrible. I mean, hypothetically speaking, it was a good game. Came down to the last, very last plays. You know, time was at zeros, but God, it was an awful game. You know, it was one of those stinky, just awful played. Like LSU and Florida State are just a shell of their former selves. I mean, Clemson talked about they just won, <clears throat> they just won a title uh, three years ago, and Florida State won a title eight years ago or seven years ago. Not too long ago, not too long ago, we saw either of these teams on top of the college football world, and now both just look like potentially the worst teams in their respective divisions of the conference. Just really not awesome times for either of those teams, but that game, I, I don't know what Brian Kelly is going to do with this LSU team. I just don't. I don't know if it's going to take a couple years for him. Looks pretty miserable all night on the sideline. I mean, like I said, Florida State, uh, their quarterback played pretty good game, better than we've seen him play before. And frankly, I mean, it's just a bad game that came down to the end when it probably shouldn't have. And obviously I had LSU. I just thought talent would win that game. And it turns out it takes a lot more talent um, across the board than just the names that I know. Um, their special teams, absolutely atrocious. Uh, just awful showing. I uh, awful showing. I can't emphasize how bad, how bad both of these games are. I I'm understand the name value that both of these uh, games have with Clemson, LSU, and Florida State national brands. Although they're all in the South, national noteworthy brands, all champions in the last ten years. But it just was a real bad showing from all of them. And we do still have some other games to talk about. 
And I want to get into, I'm, I'm, I have it pulled up right here, the schedule, and I think the way the ESPN has it, it's like the ranked teams, they go down the list, and, you know, starting off with Alabama, they steamrolled Utah State. Not much to take away there. It's kind of hard to tell how certain game, how, like how certain games can really project a season, because <clears throat> Alabama's playing Utah State, you know, like, they're, Utah State didn't do anything special. Bryce Young threw for uh, not even 200 yards because it was the game was over, out of reach by them, clearly. Uh, they do travel to Texas this week, and I do have a pick on it. Stay tuned. Next game was our game of the week, obviously. It was the Ohio State-Notre Dame matchup. And frankly, I didn't watch much of this game because it was boring. I mean... As bad as that sounds, it, the game, frankly, was just not really exciting to me. Like, it, like, compared to the other game that was on during it, Utah and Florida, that game was incredible. But Ohio State and Notre Dame just did not really live up to what we had thought. Like, I mean, as a betting man, I was furious because Ohio State's offense just was just non-existent. I mean, I don't know if this is a common theme now with this Ohio State-Ryan Day era. But that's back-to-back years where basically we've had a game against a top-ranked opponent and Ohio State just hasn't come to play. Now, obviously, they won this one, and their top wide receiver, Jackson Smith, was out and with an injury. And, you know, that kind of did change, I think, the momentum of what the Buckeyes had. But they still have Marvin Harrison Jr. They still have other very talented receivers. Like, it shouldn't just be him you know, on the outside that they depend on. They should be a multi-facet offense. Trayvon Henderson was there, there, and they only managed to put up 21 points. And it could totally have just been like Notre Dame, you know, was here just ready to play because they're led by a defensive coach. It's just his first game met in, and he wanted to do something that threw off the Ohio State game plan. However, I just expected a lot more from Ohio State. When you're getting this much hype, you have – Potentially the best quarterback in all of college football, best receiver, one of the best running backs, you know, I, and frankly, Notre Dame, I just don't think has that talent this year with like experience. Like they lost a lot of stuff to the draft. The quarterback is a new guy, you know, it's a lot of moving pieces for Notre Dame where I'm not expecting them to really be a, a threat. And that's not my typical like Notre Dame disrespect. It's just. They lost a lot of experience. They lost their head coach who's been there forever, and it's a new guy who I think will be fine in the long term. But coming out against Ohio State in Columbus, <clears throat> the expectations weren't really there. And I, I thought it was, for him, I think it was like a, about as good as you can get. Ten points obviously isn't what you want. But like I said, all the circumstances pointed to an Ohio State blowout before this game actually kicked off, and it wasn't that. It was a, I'd say, gritty, hard, hard-fought victory where Ohio State probably should have just been <laughs> just better than what they did. But that's whatever. Moving on to the school I attend, the game that I watched all of because I enjoyed every second of it. The reigning, defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. And frankly, I mean, I don't think you could have drawn up a better start to the season than what Georgia did. 
as a team that's coming like as out of these top five teams, Georgia by far had the most impressive win because first of all, they played number 11, Oregon, and you can miss me with the, you know, Bo Nix is an awful quarterback. We, they should have blown him out. I mean, Bo Nix is not the cream of the crop when it comes to quarterback transfers. However, still has a lot of talent on that offense. You know, I mean, they typically have good skill position guys. Bo Nix is not awesome, but like did play in the SEC for three years. The defense, I mean, run by Dan Landing now has one of the best linebackers in the country. <clears throat> but the difference here that I saw was that Georgia just came out ready to play. They were on offense. I think had the perfect game plan. They picked their shots very you know, decidedly, and something I noticed that Georgia has normally just always been a running team, like a run-first team. They just pound the rock, set up play action. Very rarely do they do it, but they just run the ball. It's always like a very run-first offense, and that this was just not the game plan, and they decided to run the ball, I would say, quote-unquote, in various ways that wasn't just line up under center and hand the ball off. They did wide receiver sweeps with Ladd McConkie. Uh, they did a lot of screen passes to the running back, a little swing outs that were very clearly designed. Like it wasn't like he dumped it off and they got a bunch of yard. It was set up that way. I mean, Kenny McIntosh, the running back who I, I thought that did a fantastic job. I thought he played his best game as a Georgia Bulldog. I was expecting Kendall Milton to be the best running back, like pure running back, but what Kenny McIntosh did in the passing game as much as the running game. I mean, he was throwing off defenders and juking them out of their socks. I thought he was fantastic. And I think it was just what they did. They came game plan for just being this pass first team was just very interesting. And I knew Todd Munkin was this kind of guy, you know, because it just if you look at his history and what he's done in the past, he is just a you know big run gun shooting kind of guy, but he just hasn't really implemented that because of what he's been working with. But this felt like the first time where it was like the perfect game plan that Todd Munkin had all his fingerprints all over, and I thought it was a fantastic game plan. I mean, McConk Lad McConkey, I think looked better than you can imagine, and. I thought he was going to score two touchdowns. I really did. Like I, I jokingly said is like, it's not going to be A.D. Mitchell, not Brock Bowers, not Darnell. It's going to be Ladd McConkey. And it was, I, he was very heavily involved and that might be a trend that we see because I don't know. just felt like he was always in the right spots. And Eddie Mitchell did look good. Brock Bowers obviously looked fantastic. Darnell Washington looked really good. Eric Gilbert, who's very highly talked about, didn't play much, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, but kind of it, like I'm not shocked by it, you know. Something to note, but not crazy. And then on defense, I mean, what I can say about the defense is that the secondary I think will be really good. The secondary I think is a couple young guys sprinkled in with some guys like Chris Smith who played out of his mind. I thought uh, Ringo. I didn't. I didn't see Keely Ringo really get you know, a whole lot of playing, like not play time, but like I didn't see him involved in a lot of plays, which I think is a good thing for a cornerback. Malachi Starks, I thought did a good job. 
And yeah, I mean, really, I just I think the team as a whole just looked really good and well prepared. Looks like they've been waiting to you know get this get this season going and really get kicked off because they kicked in Oregon's teeth. It was fantastic. Texas A&M took care of business against Sam Houston. Uh, number seven Utah went down to Florida and played a Florida team that. I think they were superior then. And if they're on home, like a neutral site field, I think they win this game. However, this is not one of those games. They went to Florida and they lost. And we'll give Florida credit. Anthony Richardson was electric as an athlete, made a ton of plays with his feet, I think, way more than his arm. But he did what he needed to do, and Florida got the win. I mean, I think the defense made enough stops, including a very crucial one at the end, which I think is more of Utah just mis, you know, mishandling the situation. Like I thought it was very simple what they should have done. I mean, they 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 were going all over the middle of the end zone. I'll set it up. So they're down three. They managed to fight their way all the way down to like Florida's five yard line. And they still have like a minute left. And so they decided to go for a couple plays at the end zone. Whatever. Um, but then worst comes worst thing happens, Cam Rising ends up throwing a pick to a Florida defender. And it was in the middle of the end zone. And my issue here is there's so much traffic in the middle of an end zone, like red zone spot. Like run a run a pick route to the outside. Like, run a slant route where it's clear you can throw it over his head or, he, like, he gets it or no one gets it. Having routes in the middle of the end zone there, unless the guy was really supposed to be wide open, I just don't know why you take that risk. You're down three. You're already in chip field goal range. Do something that doesn't lose you the game. You can do something that can win you the game, but don't do something that loses you the game. And I thought they just did that aggressively. I totally misplayed it. Pac-12 manages to play itself out of the playoff once again. Just an awful showing. I mean, unless USC really is as legit as they're supposed to be on offense, I can't see a Pac-12 team being close to the playoff. Uh, Michigan took care of business. Whatever. Uh, Oklahoma took care of business. Baylor did. North Carolina State against Eastern Carolina. Now, the people at home know that I bet on this game. Had North Carolina State 11.5. And and we had a really good stretch there. It like, looked like we had a great opportunity at that. But then the worst thing happens. Florida, North Carolina State gets stopped on the goal line. Not once, but twice they get stopped on fourth and goal against Eastern Carolina. And Eastern Carolina should have beat them. The final score is 21 to 20. And I was watching it, and Devin Leary looked and made some really impressive throws, but then it's just like the momentum would die, and like they would do nothing. Like North Carolina State would just kind of like run the ball to a little bit of success have a pass kind of go out of bounds and just not do anything with it. Eastern Carolina, this was like purely just a momentum game out of its mind. Like everything happened based off of momentum. There was no like real, like 
North Carolina State's just kind of like slowly chipping away. Eastern Carolina answers. Like it was like bunches. Like North Carolina State blocks a punt and scores a touchdown off of it. Then they get the ball back off of a turnover, like a pick, and then they go score a touchdown. And then at the end, this is when Eastern Carolina fought back. They managed to get a touchdown. They missed the point after. But it's okay. They still have all the momentum. They still have their timeouts. They managed to go get another stop. And they get the ball back. And they go drive all the way down. They are in like 30-yard field goal range. And the, the kicker just absolutely botches it. Eastern Carolina misses the kick. They lose. They should have won 24-21. to Had a great upset against North Carolina State. But instead, they just absolutely fumbled every opportunity. Uh, skipping some of these other games. Cincinnati at Arkansas. I didn't catch a lot of it because that was Georgia's time. But Arkansas won 31-24. I will say it was cool seeing that Cincinnati didn't like fold over. Like They might actually still be a good program. Wanted to see that because they... I think we're decimated by the draft. I think they lost so many key players, but they went to Arkansas contended. I don't think it was ever really in question. Like Arkansas, I think kind of controlled it, you know, the whole game, but you know, losing by score. I don't think that is anything to, you know, laugh at Houston. UTSA was another game I watched. Uh, that was an unbelievable game. Really? A uh, fun three-overtime win by Houston. Uh, I think Houston's going to be one of the better power or group of five teams once again because I think the offense, I think they're, like, I, I'm i trying to, because I lost this bet. I had UTSA money line. They lost in tr- triple overtime. It was kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> um, but analyzing the game as a whole, I kind of think I predicted it perfectly. Houston came out kind of sluggish, not really looking like a team that wanted to win. Uh, UTSA kind of jumped out early to like a 21-7 lead. They used to claw their way back. Uh, they were, you know, it had, once again, like momentum was, I guess, the theme of the day because UTSA got momentum, or Houston did, ran with it, and then UTSA kind of fought back um, to force overtime and then ended up losing off of a, Fantastic play by Houston's quarterback, Clayton Toon. And, you know, Houston, I just think, is just one of those teams where they just have to get it going. And once they do, they just kind of punch you in the mouth. Their style of football is just not not great for their you know fans' blood pressure because they really do, I think, are just a sluggish team. And then they just find a counterpunch, and then they just ride with it the entire way. And I do think their quarterback is good enough to make, you know, give them some plays to win down, you know, down the end of the game, that kind of deal. But yeah, that was, that was a great game. I think that really covers it for all the ranked teams. Um, North Carolina at Appalachian state 63 to 61. The total was 56, by the way, um, that game. Ooh, man, North Carolina state. App State, they were really just trading touchdowns, as you might imagine by me telling you the score, but uh, North Carolina was up pretty comfortably, and then App State fought back. 
then I think they went for two to the to like try and tie the game. They didn't get it. North Carolina State gets the onside kick, scores a touchdown. App State gets it back, has a chance. They score a touchdown, but don't get the two-point conversion. Not once, but twice. And they lose that game. And, I mean, I will say North Carolina's quarterback looks pretty good, but this North Carolina team looks like the same exact team. Like, they can score all the points in the world, but they give up all the points in the world. So, what are we doing here? Very typical North Carolina team. Um... Trying to think any other noteworthy games. I mean, outside of the ones I've talked about, a lot of lot of blowout teams. You know, teams kind of getting their easy win out of the way. <laughs> South Carolina played Georgia State, and South Carolina was, I think, losing at one point. But Georgia State, you know, was Georgia State. Spencer Rattler, who transferred there, one touchdown, two interceptions. The most Spencer Rattler line you can ever have. So that's week one basically summed up. That's, I think, all I got for you um, regarding that, like talking about the scores and the games, what I saw. Like I said, I went one for four with my picks. So that was just not really a great showing from me. But the one win was a fantastic win. So shout out Pittsburgh. We're going to come back again this week. We're going to really game plan. We we got to figure out some things because the schedule, the slate is just not inspiring at all. I don't know where we're going to go, but we will see. Uh, Michigan this week does have a very interesting thing. They're doing the quarterback, like switch off games thing. Uh, basically Cade McNamara started this week. JJ McCarthy will start next week. I mean, I think they're playing you know, two gimme games, so it's one of those, like, there shouldn't really be in question, so they can kind of do this, get away with this, like, it's not conference play yet, but, but that'll be, I think, a game to watch, I didn't check out Michigan, uh, because I was watching North Carolina State lose my bet, but, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't hear anything bad about Cade McNamara, like, I, I heard he was very just average, it sounds like, like, it just wasn't anything too special, but he didn't, you know, lose them a game against Colorado State. So, yeah. So I I kind of think that JJ McCarthy is being set up here to win the starting job. It feels like they're trying to give him every opportunity because I don't think you do this if you feel as confident about the like senior quarterback as you do. But they're they are doing this. So I think they want to go with JJ McCarthy, but they don't want to be disrespectful to McNamara, who got them to the playoffs last year. So. Something to note, something to keep an eye out for. Uh, we'll, like I said, we'll be talking about like kind of this week's games as the week goes on. Uh, some of the games happening, but yeah, I, I that should be all the college football stuff we got. Very exciting, fun stuff. Uh, some broad, broad, I guess, new stuff. Uh, Zach Wilson. Looks like he's trying to play. He's going to play if possible. You know, he's trying his best. He's, uh, I guess, trying to do workouts and stuff. So it's like, it looks like he's going to be kind of, I don't want to say game time, but it's like we're going to figure out during the middle of the week here whether he's going to be lining up to start for the Jets. If not, it'll probably be Joe Flacco, which is 
nasty. Oh, a very nasty thing. I think they play the Ravens, though. And the Ravens, I think, are one of those week one teams where you're just like, they should be good. <laughs> you know, I have faith in Lamar Jackson week one. Uh, the Steelers listed uh, Mitch Trubisky as the captain as well as the quarterback one. I think this was kind of always going to happen uh, with Kenny Pickett being quarterback three on the depth chart. That was just never felt like he was going to break through Mason Rudolph. I feel like they, they were just blowing smoke up. Everyone's, you know what? Uh, and then Mitch Trubisky, obviously they signed him over the off season to be their starter in the first place before they drafted Pickett. So I think they were always going to play him kind of like how the Falcons are going to play Marcus Mariota. You know, it's like, you sign them to, and you tell them they're going to be the starter. You draft a guy who definitely is not ready for NFL football, and you just play it out with the guy that you signed because, I mean, he has played before, and you don't want to see your rookie out there struggling week one. You'd rather see him struggle in week five, you know? So Mitch Trubisky does win the starting job. He is another you know starter in the league as of week one. So good, good for Mitch. Good to see old Mitchie boy again. And we'll be talking about the week one schedule, obviously, coming up here with uh, the Bills and Rams kicking off Thursday. I had all my fantasy drafts. I I had a 14-man draft uh, with my red and black newspaper friends. And, I, folks, I think I killed it. I, I really do. I mean, I, I got some really good players. Getting Dalvin Cook at number nine, absolute steal. I can't believe that happened. I just... Wide receivers, ultra nasty. I got some AFC South guys. Like I got Damian Pierce, Christian Kirk, and Brandon Cooks, all AFC South guys on the worst teams. But I think it'll work out. Hopefully. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> no, don't don't quote me on that. Don't don't hold me to saying that it's gonna be a really good time. Because I don't know if it will be. But don't worry about it. Uh, some MLB stuff we get to talk to. I'll probably do a more in-depth, like, look at the schedule again, or the standings again because we do have some interesting stuff in the NL East happening with my Braves. Uh, do have some injury stuff. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, which I had talked about during, you know, trade deadline stuff, going to the Yankees. He needs surgery for a broken wrist. Uh, Max Scherzer, who left his start with a side injury, managed to be okay. Uh, Miguel Cabrera placed on the 10 day IL. Hopefully he gets back the legend. Uh, Albert Pujols, speaking of older guys, hit another home run. I think he's five away from 700, really close to a rod's record. I go, it would be cool to see it happen, but I don't know. We'll see if he can, if he has the juice left. I don't, <laughs> he's so close. And I mean, really, I think that's about that's about it for the sports world. You know, we had just the college football was a big part of the week. Obviously, football is going to be a big piece of the show now moving forward. It's it's just going to be a fantastic ride. I will do a whole lot of previews and more coming up during the week. But for now, remember I said shorter shows probably during the week now that schools and full full swing but won't stop us finish out with the mlb scores here we got the guardians playing the royals 
Guardians are up four to two in that game as we're in the sixth. Uh, a couple games, you know, that are very early in their um, life, I guess. The Angels, the Tigers, zero to zero in the bottom of the first. Giants and Dodgers haven't hasn't started yet. It's um, nine fifty five, so not quite there. Uh, other finals for the games we got the Yankees beating the Twins five to two. They're just the Yankees are trying to lose that division. <laughs> they just are. They're trying to lose it to the Rays. Blue Jays win their game against the Orioles seven to three in a doubleheader. Uh, the, they managed to, you know, Blue Jays sweep that. They went eight to four in the second game. Rays beat the Red Sox four to three in a close one. Brewers beat the Rockies six to four. Nationals upset the Cardinals six to nothing. Diamondbacks beat the Padres five to nothing. Uh, Astros beat the Rangers one to nothing. That's a surprising one to nothing there. Uh, White Sox managed to beat the Mariners three to two. So I think that'll just about do it for us. Unless anything breaking happens in the next minute or so, I think we should be able to wrap up here. 14 to three, by the way, Clemson, Georgia Tech. Like I said, I won't subject anyone to more analysis about that game. Clemson, I think, just is is toast. The offense looks atrocious. DJ Eagle does not look good. I don't know what the direction of Clemson is, but I don't think it's very positive. That being said, be sure to like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Tell all your friends, family. Say it at the end of every show. You already know me. I'm your host, Luke's Coach Bar, as always. And I will see you next time. Goodbye.